0: We are beginning right now our survey of the Bible. We're going to start with just the Old Testament, which is enough to, uh, to start with. Uh, this is the kind of series that's probably going to take us two to three, four years to get through the whole Bible. Uh, along the way, we'll probably interrupt and have some other studies that we do here and there. Um, but at least for the next five to seven weeks, we'll be doing the Pentateuch. And we'll be getting through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and hopefully just keep on trekking. Um, I don't have any plans to interrupt at this point. Um, Before we jump in, I just want to go ahead and say this is all borrowed information. I really should not be making up anything new if I'm doing an Old Testament survey, an Old Testament introduction, uh, because if I'm making up new things, that would be really problematic. Uh, So let me go ahead and tell you. um, There is a professor uh, by the name of Miles Van Pelt. Uh, This is his biblical theological introduction to the Old Testament. It is a rich resource. Uh, it is filled with some really, uh, I think, for me, it was an incredible study just going through the introduction to the Old Testament, because he was able to piece together these big ideas for how we read the Bible. Also, I am using, and this is going to look strangely familiar to my handouts, um, these handouts from a pastor in Nashville named Matt Bradley. So... Full disclosure: I, I've even I've even taken his three column format because I thought it looked nice. It would be a nice thing to put into a notebook. Um, I'm borrowing a lot of his information, and I'm accenting and supplementing with Miles Van Pelt. I will also be using um, other resources such as the Reformation Study Bible and Old Testament Introduction by Hill and Walton, um, along with. Um, Oh, there are a number of other resources, and I will bring them and show them to you as I use them uh, in particular. Um, Longman and Dillard, I think, is the other Old Testament introduction. I think that's the one I'm using more so than Hill and Walton. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you'll notice the date at the top is February 5th. I did not bother reprinting these. I hope you'll forgive me. <laughs> What I'd like to do, open up your Bibles to the table of contents. I don't think I've ever heard pastor say that. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. I guess that, uh, yeah. It's a good place to start. If you have not yet memorized the books of the Bible in order, there are some really catchy songs. (laughs) Could you demonstrate one? I actually don't know a single one. I never learned the songs. I just learned the words. Um, (laughs) I'm having trouble actually finding the table of contents in this Bible. There it is. Okay. Okay. 39 books of the Old Testament. 27 books of the New Testament. You'll notice the first five are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And then it goes into Joshua, Judges, Ruth, versus, uh, Samuel, King's Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job. Uh, anybody know the last books written chronologically? Yeah, see. <laughs> um, Chronicles, right? Chronicles was right there at the end, okay. along with a couple others. Malachi. Okay. Malachi was one of the ones at the end. Was it Zephaniah or Zechariah? Um, probably. I think those were also right in that same time frame. Uh, there, some of the minor prophets were kind of grouped right there uh, at the end. You also have Ruth, who's very, very late, and then Ezra and Nehemiah were very late. So why aren't those last? I mean, Malachi is, or Malachi, the Italian prophet.
1: <laughs> His alter ego.
0: <laughs> no, for the sake of the recording, it is Malachi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you see the major literary divisions there uh, in that first box on the handout. These are how they are organized in our Bibles: Pentateuch, History, Poetry, and Wisdom. Major Prophets, Minor Prophets. So this is a um, this is actually not the Jewish arrangement of the Old Testament. So many of you are probably familiar with this. I'm gonna go ahead and have you flip over to the back where there's the diagram. And you'll see there's this really, really neat diagram that was really helpful for me. I had never spent much time with the Jewish order of the Old Testament. And um, I can't say it. Miles Van Pelt is a, uh, a big fan of this order and the, organi- the, the uh, understanding that it brings. So you'll notice it, it starts with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Yes, the, the gray is the Old Testament, the, Jew, uh, the Jewish order, Hebrew Bible order. And then it's, you move into from the law into the prophets. you got Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the Twelve. And then you move into the writings. Psalms, Job, Proverbs, Ruth, Song of Songs, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, Chronicles. Now you'll notice in the prophets there's one called the Twelve. Uh, the Book of the Twelve is how the Minor Prophets have almost always been given. Like, as far as we know, in terms of... Um, manuscripts. It's been the book of the 12, those 12 together. There are differences in the order of them, but it's always been those 12 together. So they're put under the prophets category. Uh, We'll come back to this order because this uh, Hebrew Bible order actually follows this very simple law prophet (coughs) writing structure that is covenant, covenant history, covenant life structure. Uh, So that's just uh, an interesting point for us. It doesn't Change how we're going to go through the Old Testament. It doesn't change um, the validity of our Bibles or the order of our Bibles, but um, it it gives us some insight into some of the um, intentional structuring of, of the Old Testament and grouping of the books. Why do we start with the Old Testament? Why not just jump into the New Testament? There's so many. I I know some denominations, even here within five, ten minutes of here, that they just simply don't think the Old Testament is relevant anymore. They just teach from the New Testament. What's the problem with that? It's God's storyline from start to finish. And it all connects beautifully, actually. (laughs) It really does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard to understand what's in the New Testament without the context of the Old. Yep. What's an example of something that the New Testament tells us that is just the richness is not uh, plumbed until you understand the Old Testament background? Any example? Yeah. The whole book of Hebrews. The whole book of <laughs> Hebrews. Yes. Absolutely. What about the Son of Man? Yes. Like the title the Son mm-hmm. of Man, the significance of mm-hmm. it. Yeah. If you don't know Daniel 7, uh, it's, that's a pretty, actually it's a derogatory term almost compared to Son of God why would you call yourself son of man? That sounds really pedantic. Yeah. The history of baptism just how deeper it is than just what is revealed in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you've got to understand in, in that world where baptism becomes the sign of the covenant of the, the new covenant, if you don't understand that it's coming out of this, this Jewish culture with circumcision and it's, it really doesn't make sense. But yes. The book of Revelation is completely incomprehensible it's <laughs> <Yes>. without the <laughs> Old cool. Testament facts. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. But sin and our inability to keep the law. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What law? law. That's right. That's right. Yes. Even like just understanding why Jesus and his like lineage is important. Mm-hmm. Like, not if mm-hmm. David wasn't a thing, why would it really matter mm-hmm. what happened? That's right. The very first words of the New Testament in Matthew 1 show us the importance of that. you got to know Jesus' heritage, his lineage. Jesus as the new Israel, as the fulfillment of these promises for all who are in him. It's so rich. The, uh, y'all have probably heard this phrase. The Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. The New Testament is in the Old Testament concealed. Uh, What that means is all these things we're talking about, about who Jesus is, they're concealed in the Old Testament. They're the the shadows uh, that, that become clear when you get to the New Testament. And the New Testament, excuse me, the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed, it's made clear. The story of the Old Testament with the New Testament reveals our need and what God is doing to meet our need. That goes back to your point about this is the story of God's redemption and his work from beginning to end. This is also called redemptive history. God didn't start redeeming people in Matthew 1. His redemption began in Genesis 3. Um, And even before that, we believe in the covenant of of redemption that this began long before time even began. Um, but we will get there. I love Romans 1, 1 through 3, and I actually really didn't understand the richness of it until I believe it was Miles Van Pelt helping me understand this. By the way, I highly recommend, um, he is, there are free lectures and resources by Miles Van Pelt on a website called Biblical Theology. And there are 37, I believe, lectures on the Old Testament by Miles Van Pelt himself. Free access. You just got to create an account, and it's all yours to watch. So uh, I can. If you're interested in that, let me know. I can send that out. Can you send that out. Yeah. You. <laughs> great. <laughs> can I'm you work. Say that again, please? Yes, Miles Van Pelt. Yeah. What is the website? Uh, biblical theology. I believe that's what it's called. It looks like you have the reference at the bottom. Oh, too. great. That's right. It is down there. Oh. His name no. Is- yeah. Yeah. His name is down there. Yeah. Um, but the actual uh, videos and things, I did not put down there because I did not use them for this. What's that? I can't. Actually, I was talking with John. What we're trying to do, I'm trying to get, this is under construction, a resources page on our website that's going to have the most recent Sunday night handout. Um, hopefully links for those types of things and a bulletin for an example for people who are trying to figure out what um, how our services go. That is under construction. I need to figure out how to store files on the website. That's I don't know how to do that. Romans 1, 1 through 3 says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets. Okay, slow down. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, we know that phrase, we heard that this morning, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel of God. I thought gospel is New Testament. Well, Paul says, which he promised beforehand through his prophets. Look at the first little asterisk. The means of gospel revelation came by the prophets. God spoke through these men, the prophets. In the Holy Scriptures, that's the location of the gospel revelation. If you want to go find gospel revelation, you find it in the scriptures. Concerning his son. Hold on. So the prophets of the Old Testament, the Holy Scriptures, are written about his son, Jesus absolutely, who was descended from David according to the flesh, there's his heritage, right? The message of gospel revelation, the means and the location, we see it all right there in Romans 1, 1 through 3. So now we see the importance, why we should study the Old Testament. That's just a brief introduction. Here are three things I'd like us to look at tonight. Um, You see the theological center of the Old Testament is Jesus. The thematic framework of the Old Testament is the kingdom of God miles van pelt that's what mvp is Uh, i know that's not proper citation but i like mvp um he says every biblical theme is a kingdom of god theme everything is a kingdom of god theme and relates to how god's kingdom is growing uh, and his people are being included and victory is coming and then the structure of the old testament is covenant that's where we see law prophets writing covenant covenant history covenant life So those are the three things we're going to hit today. First of all, the theological center of the Old Testament is Jesus. We've already hit some of these things. Jesus describes the Old Testament as about himself. Luke 24 says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, that is Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So that's Jesus saying, look, look in the prophets, look in Moses. What does he say when he says beginning with Moses? What, What does that mean? Beginning with Moses. What is it? The Pentateuch. the Pentateuch. Yeah. Moses, the books that Moses wrote: Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets. Okay, so if you go back and look at the um, the, the, the structure here, you got law and prophets. So Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the twelve. Beginning with Moses and all the, the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures, So all the scriptures now includes the writings, the things concerning himself. So even Jesus looked back and said, there I, am, there I 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 am. Jesus himself says in John 5, you search the scriptures, that is the Old Testament, because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. The Old Testament, if you're not finding Jesus in there, You're refusing to come to him to have life. And this is why our hearts should break for our Jewish brothers and sisters who do not see Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus is the first and the last, Isaiah 44. He's the Alpha and the Omega, Revelation 22. And I have detailed here A through Q of examples of how there, how Jesus is the beginning and the end, how he is both in Old Testament and New Testament, the central theme of all these um, of what God is doing. He's the last Adam. We're not going to open up every single one of these references. I apologize. We would be here till midnight. You would miss the game tonight. Um, if you don't know what game I'm talking about, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he is the seed of the woman promised in Genesis 315. If we don't take time to understand the richness of Genesis 315, we're gonna miss the gospel. It, God was working redemption immediately after we sinned. With his patience, the seed of the woman promised, the offspring of Abraham, Jesus is the singular offspring of Abraham. Galatians 3.16 has been blowing my mind recently, so I, I recommend you go look at that one. Jesus is the intercessor, like Abraham was in Genesis 18, so Jesus is, you see in Hebrews 7. He's the prophet like Moses, the one who was promised who was going to come. There's actually a promise that there would be a prophet like Moses. So there was Moses, and then there's the promise that there will be another prophet like Moses, and that is Jesus. He is the king and the ruler from the line of Judah. I mean, that's That's throughout. He is the deliverer, David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. Uh, I was, every, every so often I, I try Christian radio again. And um, this song came on, and it was talking about David and Goliath and uh, how God helps me as David fight my enemies. And that's just not what that's about. David is the deliverer of Israel. Jesus is the son of David, the deliverer of his people Israel. I'm not David. You're not David. Jesus is David. He slayed our enemies. He is the one uh, that is that we see acting on behalf of his people there, and even the story of David and Goliath. Jesus is faithful Israel. You see that in Deuteronomy 28 and 30, all those laws with the, uh, the promises of... Um, Destruction or um, blessings and curses for obedience to the covenant. And then in Romans 8, uh, Christophanies, I only put one in here. The furnace in Daniel 3 seems to be describing one like a son of man who is there also in the, in the furnace with the men. And there, there are some debates as to whether or not Melchizedek is a Christophany and, and there are others. But uh, Jesus even shows up in the Old Testament. He is the mediator of a better covenant, which was promised in Jeremiah 31 and really well explained in, again, the book of Hebrews. He is our eternal high priest after the order of Melchizedek. (coughs) Hebrews again, Genesis 14. The atoning sacrifice. Yeah, the whole sacrificial system. Why death on a cross? That makes no sense unless you understand the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. and The sacrificial system of the Old Testament has in it so many promises that are fulfilled in Jesus. The Lamb of God unblemished takes away the sins of the people. And then there's the Day of Atonement and the Passover Lamb all those things. The Wisdom of God in Proverbs 8. Now this gets into some interesting discussions as to how Jesus is the Wisdom of God in Proverbs 8. Um, I will... Go ahead and just gloss over that one for now. Jesus is the incarnate word of God in John 1. All the promises of life in the Old Testament, including the rock in Exodus 17. uh, Jesus is that fulfillment of that life. The serpent, if you just look to the serpent, you will be saved, you'll be healed. Jesus is that as well in the book of Romans. Oh, excuse me, book of John, John 3. Um, And then there are all these promises of the land for the people of Israel that actually find their fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus gives his people the whole creation. The whole world is ours. The whole new heavens and new earth. And then there's the promise of the temple, the mountain, Zion. And Jesus says, well, it's not here or there where we're going to worship, it's in spirit and in truth by His Spirit who dwells in every person. So the Spirit of Christ here, and Christ's presence as He comes back to be with us, God with us, is the fulfillment of the whole point of the temple and the mountain and Zion, the place of God's dwelling. Okay, that was light survey. Yes, I asked a really dumb question. So it's not dumb. <laughs> Go ahead. I. What is a crystal? Christ thank you. Christophany is a um, the uh, an appearing of Christ before he became Jesus of Nazareth. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Appearing of the Son of God, I guess we we'll put it that way. Second person of the Trinity. Yes. A like a true embodiment or a example. I don't... I'm not confident enough in an answer on that one. Okay. Because I guess would it... Because you said you weren't sure if Mel Kizodek was a Christophany or not. Well, I'm, I have opinions, but... Uh, okay. Yeah, there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, sorry. I was just going to ask, because other Christophanies in the Testament would always be human embodiments, Or would they be? Great question. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> about, about the pillar and the fire, it says. I think the word says the angel of the Lord went before that of pillar of fire, so it's not an actual embodiment. But usually, the angel of the Lord is is uh, Christophe. Yeah, that is. Okay. I, I'm I'm going to go ahead and say not every time, right. but right. but yes, the um yeah angel of the Lord is often discussed as potential Christophanies too. So, so we're, uh, wrestling with Jacob Israel? Um Yes. <laughs> 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 I honestly I wish I had a deeper understanding of these things. I, I yeah I have that's why I asked the dumb question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No it's it's not a dumb question. I, I have lots of questions myself, so this is something that I should probably spend more time digging into. That's that's sometimes the danger of stealing everybody else's material. Like, I don't know all the background of, of what went into this. So there are also some answers we just won't have yeah. until we're True. in his presence. yeah we can ask. Right. I have a feeling there's going to be a whole seminar series. <laughs> <laughs> RC Sproul will be teaching it. <laughs> He's already putting together his lesson plans. I was going to say I want to hear. Um, No, the truth is I'm looking forward to hearing from that no-name pastor in Montana that had 20 parishioners for 50 years and such a rich understanding of Scripture. Maybe it wasn't Montana. Maybe it was a different country. Most likely. Okay, let's look at, at the thematic framework of the Old Testament. Specifically, what this means is when we think about... What's going on with stories in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel? We have to be thinking about God's kingdom. We pray his kingdom come as will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, he is he's setting up an earthly kingdom with Israel that is just a shadow of the reign of the true king of Israel, Jesus Christ. And so as we're looking at all these themes, we have to understand that the kingdom is truly fulfilled in the ultimate king, Jesus. And so what I want us to do, this right here, these nine points uh, kind of summarize for us the Old Testament kingdom in a in big themes. The theme of creation is the beginning of God's relationship with his people, Adam and Eve. Then you have the fall, where God's people turn away from him. Then you have judgment with the flood and with Babel. This is a proper response to breaking the covenant. And then there are the patriarchs. Now you'll notice all of this is still in the book of Genesis. Genesis 1 and 2 and 3, 4 through 11, 12 through fifty. Uh, Genesis is crucial for understanding the rest of Scripture because of all this that it sets up. Now the patriarchs would be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, after those... Uh, Israel then became enslaved in Egypt, and then Israel was uh, led out of Egypt and wandered in the wilderness. Here you have the books Exodus, um, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as Israel's wandering in the wilderness, written by Moses, their leader, as he is trying to um, wrangle these lost belligerent sheep who, who complain and complain and complain time and time again. And then I realized, oh, wait, that's me. Uh, So these kingdom themes also are true of us. Um, So Israel wandered in the wilderness, Exodus through Deuteronomy, and then you move into the books of Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st 2nd Samuel, 1st 2nd Chronicles, 1st 2nd Kings. They, They describe the stories of how Israel occupied the land. Now, Israel occupied the land with Judges and then also with Kings, earthly kings, and we realize the third king, Solomon, well, his infidelity led immediately into Israel's decline, into the divided kingdom, into exile. That starts in 1 Kings 11. So after Israel is in the land, then they are sent into exile. This happens in two stages from um, Babylon and Assyria. You, you see the life in exile in the book of Lamentations and Esther and Daniel and Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra Nehemiah is kind of the return from exile, uh, rebuilding the temple, those types of things, the the, um, opposition they faced. You have everybody comes back and they start looking at the temple and all these promises that they were anticipating. Oh, the Lord's going to give us our land back and we're going to have everything that he's promised. And like, actually, this is this isn't expect it's not fulfilling the expectations we had. The temple was disappointing. Uh, There was not the full return and the domination and all that. That reign that we still anticipate, yet was initiated in uh, Jesus' own reign. So in um, many senses, it has begun. In, In profound senses, it has begun in Christ. And we also anticipate all those promises to be fulfilled when he returns. And then they anticipate the true king of the kingdom of God, uh, and that's a theme that you see throughout a lot of the latter writings and the prophets. But it's also promised earlier on with the Moses, the, the prophet-like Moses who will come. So that's kind of the thematic framework of how uh, the, of the kingdom of God and how Jesus then comes and fulfills all these things as the true King of the true nation of Israel, all those who are descended by Abraham from Abraham by faith. Okay, thoughts? Yes. So on the topic of coming uh, back to the land after exile, um, if I'm remembering correctly, the exile doesn't really end. Um, like they go back, they make the new temple. But like you just mentioned, like God doesn't build a temple in the same way He did with Solomon. Right. So uh, obviously. We see in uh, Ezra Nehemiah, um, God was at work in making those things happen um, and allowing these people to go home. But, like, to really, I mean, it was intentional that he didn't complete the job, yep. so to speak. Yep. Yep. But, um, yes, to keep them waiting, okay. to keep their eyes in anticipation of the true king, who they really needed the whole time. Um, And so then he arrives 400 years later. Yeah, that's good. Okay, all right. Was it the return from exile a remnant, though it wasn't the entire nation? Perhaps, I don't, I don't, I guess I don't have a complete thought on that. The covenant outline here. We are... Um, I know some of you are looking at this like, Oh man, I, I thought we were getting into a church that had good covenant theology. Um, this is copied and pasted. All right. Oh, there are three covenants. It's covenant of redemption, covenant of works, covenant of grace. Uh, the covenant of redemption is that underlying covenant that God has made, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to save God's people... We see the covenant of works in Genesis 1 and 2. It did not end at Genesis 2, but for those who trust God's work of redemption, the covenant of grace steps in in Genesis 3 and goes all the way to Malachi. And there are examples of the covenant of grace throughout the Old Testament, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, the new covenant. And some people are saying, but what about the Noahic covenant? What about the Levitical covenant? This is not comprehensive. Also, there's debate over whether the Noahic covenant was a covenant of grace or not. Um, so, if you have, if you are interested in that, let's talk about that separately. The, the covenant theology thing is a whole world we could get into. Um, let's flip over to the back. I want us to focus on these: the prologue, law, prophets, writings, epilogue, covenant, covenant history, covenant life. I think this is a really helpful way to think about the Old Testament and the New Testament. You see the New Testament in parallel with the Old Testament. Uh, the the covenant, really, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, let us let me back up. Let's look at Genesis and Revelation, the prologue and the epilogue. I think this um, chiastic structure, y'all see that, the A, B, C, C, B, A. Uh, that's the chiastic structure just in, in, in Greek. Uh, the key is the the x and so this is kind of like half of the x which is where a b c c b a kind of shaped like half of an x this is actually common throughout the old testament we're going to be looking at chiastic structures throughout the, the old testament i'm sure um, but if you look here at a versus a prime it's talking about creation of heaven and earth in genesis 1 and 2 and then the creation of the new heaven and the new earth in revelation 21 and 22. You have the marriage covenant of Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, and then the marriage covenant of the lamb with the bride in Revelation 21. And then in the middle, you see Satan's destruction promised in Genesis 3, and Satan's destruction accomplished in Revelation 20. How in the world could a human have planned this kind of overarching literary structure over 15 years across so many different authors? This, I think, is an incredible example of God speaking, inspiring scripture, guiding its writing and the themes. And and sure, was John aware of these themes as he was writing Revelation? Absolutely, that doesn't take away from the majesty of how God has put together his story of redemption from beginning to end. Every promise and covenant established in the book of Genesis, creation redemption, Noah, Abraham, finds its fulfillment and consummation in the book of Revelation. Okay, there's the prologue and epilogue the covenant you have the law and you have the gospels the law contains the covenant regulations that stipulate and govern the life of the people of god exodus through deuteronomy shares some crazy similarities with the new moses of the gospels of course when i say new moses i mean jesus uh, both are framed by the birth and death of the covenant mediator moses and jesus uh, i don't know if you notice both moses and jesus have birth narratives where uh they were trying to kill all the baby boys and they had to flee to egypt right so there's already i mean even little details like that god has been overseeing uh, to connect these and then uh, both mediators deliver the law from a mountain we saw some of that in mark as we were going through both experience transfigurations perform miracles and suffer the rebellion of the covenant people um, there are some crucial dissimilarities of course one of them is that Moses could not be the substitutionary death for Israel. He pleaded with God, Lord, just take me instead. God said no, but Jesus is the one who could be the substitute for God's people as the mediator of the better covenant. So that's where you see the comparison of the law and the prophets. Excuse me, the, the law and the gospels. Um, quickly cover these last two, and then we will uh, take questions and wrap it up. Prophets and covenant history, you have uh, those books in gray from the Old Testament and the Acts of the Apostles and the New Testament. The former prophets, that's Joshua through Kings, provide the historical evidence that documents the Lord's faithfulness to the covenant. The Lord is always faithful to the covenant, along with Israel's pervasive infidelity. Then you have the latter prophets. That's why it's divided in two columns there in the, the diagram. The latter prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the book of the 12, constitutes the authorized, inspired prophetic interpretation of Israel's history under the covenant. Um, this is a really, really helpful way. If, if you've not read through the prophets with this mindset, I, I take this tool with you. The prophets, the latter prophets, especially serve as the covenant prosecutors. They come to Israel and say, here's the covenant, here are the stipulations, here's where you've broken them, here's the sin, here's the punishment that you're due, and then there's always the promise of restoration for the remnant. There's the promise of restoration for those who hang on, who believe that Jesus will do everything promised in the covenant. Of course, they didn't know at that time that the name was Jesus of Nazareth, but they knew it was going to be God's doing, God's Messiah who's going to come and save his people. Acts, the book of Acts, similarly contains a history of the early church under the new covenant with the prophetic ministry of the apostles at work. Uh, In the Old Testament, the covenant people's movement was to the promised land. And in the New Testament, the covenant people's movement is from the promised land to the ends of the earth. Because now the movement is not to reclaim one land, but to take it all. Because it all belongs to our God and to his kingdom. And then you have the writings Psalms through Chronicles talk about life in the covenant. Paul's letters, Hebrews, James, Peter's letters, John's letters, and Jude, which we're talking about, talk about life in the covenant. What does it mean to live as people in this covenant relationship with God? So there's a brief structure of even the whole Bible, not just the Old Testament, hopefully giving us some uh, important themes to focus on, especially we think about Jesus as the focus, as we think about the kingdom developing thematically, and we think about the structure of the Old Testament uh, being the covenant and God's relationship with his people. Thoughts on that before I give you those that last little bit below the line? going to get you out of here. As we go book by book, we're going to look at the introduction to the book, background issues, structure and outline, message and theology, and how that book approaches the New Testament. I may not hit every single one of these with every book, but the point is going to be to focus on this biblical understanding of how these things fit into the story of scripture, how they approach the New Testament. And uh, see if we can do that one book at a time per week. It's going to be a hefty task. So your homework for next week is to read the book of Genesis. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, go for it. Um, I am also considering doing a intro to the Pentateuch next week. We'll see how the studies go this week. All right. Final thoughts? Uh, it would be the intro to the Pentateuch, and then we'd push Genesis one more week. Yeah. Maybe I can do them together. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Genesis is so rich. Yeah, it'd be hard to share that's time. All right, uh, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that we would be continue to be students of it who grow and soak it up and want to learn more and more. Would you be with us now as we uh, close our Lord's Day? Would we sing your praise um, to your glory? And would we also give you not just this day, but all seven. Uh, would you be with us by your spirit and encourage us um this week as we go out into the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.